Welcome to the I Refuse Podcast. I am Mr. Fox, aka Whitney Houston's middle vocal range. And you are now listening to the I Refuse Podcast. Hope you've been enjoying the season so far as much as we've enjoyed making it and producing it and bringing it to you on a weekly basis. What other podcasts do you know that can deliver the goods, the laughs, and the sheer wreck that is Mr. Fox and Company? Try to keep it light and entertaining during the pandemic, and I hope you appreciate it as much as we appreciate you. Sit back and listen to the newest episode, and stay tuned afterwards. Bye-bye. Hello there, this is Mr. Fox, this is the I Refuse Podcast, and I am coming down from a quite a high from last night's festivities. Uh, for those of you that do not have Instagram or social media or not keeping yourselves preoccupied, last night was quite a historic uh, versus battle between Earth, Wind, and Fire and the Isley Brothers. For those of you that do not know... Uh, since the pandemic has started last year, Swiss Beats and Timbaland, two high-profile producers, uh, musicians, um, have come together over Instagram and more recently the Triller app to sponsor, host, um, curate what's called a versus battle, where... They put two uh, titans, two icons, two groundbreaking artists um, over IG Live to play their music, their their hits, their deep cuts off their albums. Um, it's it's in a way an um, homage and a uh, for for those of us that are around my age to go down memory lane and relive those moments that the albums came out, the singles came out, the songs, the music videos. I mean, everybody knows where they were, what memory they were going through, what feeling they felt when they heard some of these songs. Um, in the history of the verses, it's a little over a year now. Um, we're in April. They've had uh, Randy versus Monica, Pamela Bell versus Gladys Knight, T Pain versus Lil John. Um, last night was Earth, Wind, and Fire versus the Isley Brothers, E40 versus Too Short, Snoop Dogg versus DMX. Um, who else have they had? They've also had uh, Ludacris versus Nelly. Um, coming up next, they're about to have Escape versus SWV. They recently had Raekwon versus Ghostface Kill- Killer. Um, they had Keisha Cole versus Ashanti. Um, the great thing about the verses is that you get like a mixed bag. Um, when I think of like the history, I want to say the past. 20 or 30 years or however long I've been on this earth um, and the musical history that I've grown up on through my mom and my older brother, you know, it's been interesting to see the two artists that they put together. 
Um, of course, you know, Gladys Knight and Patti LaBelle being very, very iconic. That was an amazing night. And then to have two huge acts, such as Earth, Wind & Fire and the Isley Brothers, who have been doing music for 60-plus years, and they're still doing music, and they still sound good. They still sound great. Um, interestingly enough, um, primarily the versus battles have been musical acts uh, within black culture. Um, and moreover, it's been musical acts of the last 20 or 30 years. It's very rare that they actually go even further and have two great acts. I mean, this is probably the second legendary act versus battle. Um, so needless to say, last night was amazing. Um, you know, Earth, Wind & Fire, uh, they had Philip Bailey, Verdeen White, who is the brother of the late, great Maurice White, the leader of Earth, Wind & Fire that passed away, I want to say seven years ago from Parkinson's disease. And they had a third member who was primarily, I believe, on percussions or drums. I believe his name is Daryl Johnson. Not entirely sure. On the right, they had uh, Ron Isley and Ernie Isley. Um, at one point, the Isley Brothers was like a six or seven member group. Um, a lot of the members have since passed away from either heart attack or diabetes uh, complications. But the name of the brand and the group lives on. Um, Stevie... Steve, Stevie, Steve Harvey hosted. They had the event in an amphitheater in Los Angeles. Uh, D Nice was the DJ playing the music from the stand, a couple of feet away behind them. First, you know the the fashions were great. Um, Verdeen White was dressed down, um, very simple but very. Uh, Colorful, to say the least, and his hair was laid. Uh, you had Philip Bailey, who had a nice uh, suit on, and Daryl had a nice suit on. Uh, <laughs> Steve Harvey, extra as, as usual, had the white hat on. Um, looked like it was something out of Sunday Best from back in the day. Um, you had Ronald Isley who was rocking a really wonderful beard, white beard, had a nice uh, short curl on top of his head, and had a fur coat on down to the floor, and his cane, of course, repping that. And he had his guitar, had his, uh, his classic D-rag on. The Osleys had um, similar style suits on, uh, paisley of some sort, either gold, um, and then later on had like a metallic, um, flare to it. Um, the battle itself went on for about almost three and a half hours. 
Um, of course, they started late a little bit. The first half, Steve Harvey was doing a little bit too much talking, um, which I understand. I mean, when you think about it, he's, I think if he's not in his 60s, he's getting there. Um, and by having him speak, you get a, you get a outside perspective of just how much music means to people and just how much it's a fabric in everybody's lives. Like, riding the bike three miles with lyrics of an Earth, Wind, and Fire song on a piece of cardboard to give to a girl that you liked in the 70s, being in college when the Way of the World album came out, um, remember where you were when Make Me Say It Again Girl came on and Between the Sheets came out and... It was it was a great night. So when you have um, and two acts that have lasted as long as they've had, I mean, you're talking. Bosley Brothers have been doing music since the early '50s. Um, first album came out, I think, mid to late '50s, um, and I want to say over ninety percent of them music and lyrics, they write and produce themselves. Can't think of another group, band, single, solo, artist, act, that A, does that, and B, has done it for so long. Um, Which is probably why you've never heard any kind of controversy as far as legal battles with labels, payola scandals, um, mafia ties, and all the kind of things that were big back in the 50s and 60s, and maybe even earlier than that. And you have Earth, Wind, and Fire that have been doing it since, I want to say, the mid to late 60s. Um, I mean, of course, Earth, Wind, and Fire back then was a little bit smaller before they became, like, a, a huge force. But when you think, I know for me, when I was growing up, like, those were, out of all the acts that my mother had played in the house, those were the main two. Um, so I knew just about every song that was played. Um, typically, the format for a versus battle is 20 songs apiece, and the person, you know, the acts just go back and forth. Um but it was, they very easily went and played at least 25 or 30 songs. Sometimes it's the complete version. Sometimes it's chopped up and edited, or they just play a snippet with respect to um, time restrictions. Um, but um, Earth, Wind, and Fire, like that first half, they really. They really came out. Um, I myself have about at least 15 Earth, Wind, and Fire songs off rip that are my favorite. And they played those those 15 throughout the night. Um, Can't High Love is one of my all-time favorites. Um, Devotion, Keep Your Head Up to the Sky. I believe they played Evil 
Um, they played September. Um, they also played Reasons. I think they played they played the live version of that. The Way of the World, of course. Um, but they very easily could have played some cuts that weren't popular, but just just the music and the lyrics. Um, another thing that becomes so hard when you're you're listening to acts kind of quote unquote duke it out is that Earth Wind and Fire and the Isley Brothers amazing lyricists amazing vocals amazing um compositions um Ron Isley my goodness like there were times last night that I was almost brought to tears cause he has a way with a lyric and a way with his voice and the great thing about him is that in a live theater live venue he goes further he takes the vocals a step further and when he's feeling it you feel it and there's not a lot of people out there that have that capability um you know Towards the midsection and even the third to the last part of the evening, um, it was clear to me that the Isley Brothers mixed it up. They, um, they pretty much dedicated most of the evening to their 70s and 80s era, but they sprinkled in some of their 50s and 60s music which predates, like, you know, a lot of Motown stuff. I think they were on Motown for a little bit before, um, you know, the Temps and the Supremes. Um, but just to take it a little step further, their first song, Shout, and they had another song, um, Work To Do, and um, there's another song in there, but Shout and Work To Do, specifically Shout, they wrote that themselves, and that predated all this, the success that Motown would have later. Just to give you a perspective as to how long the Isley Brothers have been around. Um, and they're still together. Um, so it was great. So towards the end, you know, they played... Some of their um, later stuff, uh, late 80s, 90s, early 2000s stuff. And unfortunately, that included some of the stuff that Art Kelly wrote and produced for them, which also happened to be their biggest hits of their career. Um, of course, Twitter was up in flames about that. You know, of course, and it's it's fair for them to be up in flames about it, given the the mess and the allegations and the accusations and everything. Some people find it hard to listen to it, um, knowing what they've been told. 
other people are like, the music is where the music stays, and that's just what it is. I, myself, you can cancel me all you want to. I still have both of those albums, both of those Ali Brother albums that R. Kelly produced and wrote, and the music is what it is, and that's, it's great. Um, I still knew word, no word for word. The Isaac Brothers song, Busted, I did both parts last night, and I sang it the same way I did when I first, when I first got the album and the song came out. I saw the music video, as cheesy as it was. I did all three parts in Contagious, um, because that song is the shit. Um, and it's more so the shit because of what Ron Isley does with it. Um, and what Ernie does with it. Um, I mean, Ron Isley's damn near rapping on the song. Um... Now, I can understand if the Isley Brothers played Showdown, which is an R. Kelly song featuring the Isley Brothers. I can understand that. But you want the Isley Brothers, you get the Isley Brothers. And that includes the the two big biggest songs. They could have did What Would You Do. That has R. Kelly all over it. Um, no, it's interesting to me that 20, 30 some odd years later, people want to be, finally be disgusted. When we've all known about the rumors as early as the 90s. But I'm not going to go down that, that route. I'm not going to dedicate this episode to that, to that mess. It's all about the music and... It was a historical night. Um, halfway through the evening, halfway through the battle, I was pretty convinced that Earth, Wind, and Fire, more specifically Philip Bailey, was going to play Easy Lover. And sure as hell he did. I almost threw my phone across the room. Um, for those of you that don't know, for about... At some point during the 80s, maybe the late 70s, Philip Bailey started a solo career, which, rightfully so, um, a career that still stands today. And one of his, well, his biggest hit was Easy Lover with Phil Collins. Now, one thing, another thing about these versus battles is that in a particular artist, um, that is a double or a triple threat, um, i.e. Babyface when he went toe-to-toe with Teddy Riley last year, as busted as that was. They had to redo that one because Teddy Riley's system was jacked the first time. Um, They typically would do their solo stuff, but every once in a while they would throw in something that they wrote or something that they produced. Um... In Philip Bailey's case, although it was an Earth, Wind, and Fire monikered um, evening, uh, Philip Bailey has solo cuts. And it's great to remind people 
you know, about that through the music. Because um, people forget, oh shit, he had music in the 80s. And it was actually pretty good. I've loved Easy Lover since I was like five or six years old. Um, it just doesn't get any better than that. So when he threw that in towards, I want to say after the the first break, that was probably the only break, I was like, see, there he go. There he fucking go. He threw that in there. I almost threw my phone halfway across the room. And I was singing off-key, off-tone, whatever. I was feeling it. Um, and then they get to, like, deep cuts on the albums. Um, I know the second half of the battle, after they came back from break, was, I think, more dedicated to that. Um, although I'm not uh avid Earth, Wind & Fire fan, like, I don't have every album. I have The Way of the World, Spirit. I think I have Gratitude around here somewhere. Um, And I think I may have... I know I have All in All somewhere. Um, And I have Illumination. Which I'm surprised they didn't play Show Me the Way. Um, That album came out in 2005. Nevertheless, uh, as far as the Isley Brothers... um, they got into some deep cuts in the second half. Um, out of all their songs that they play, which I love, um, Sensuality, I don't know what it is about that song, but everything comes to a standstill. And when Ron Asley stood up to start singing that song, that was when I started tearing up. It could be the key change. It could be the like the strip nature of the song of the music I don't know what it is but it's just it's just one of those songs I believe that that song is on the album The Heat Is On uh, which I think came out in 1975 or 1977 um I mean the Aussie Brothers could have had some cheat codes and you know cheat codes and their arsenal, too. Like, they could have played some Isley Jasper, Isley songs, uh, like The Caravan of Love. And there was some, a couple other songs from that breakout. Um, there was, like, three members of the group broke off and did some stuff for a couple of years. Um, but the Isley Brothers played most of their big covers, um which was Summer Breeze, which I believe was a Seals and Crofts song, original. Um, They played Hello, It's Me, which is a beautiful song. Um, There was another song that they covered. But anyway, um, I love Summer Breeze. That beginning part, and then they go off. Oof, summer breeze, uh, summer breeze between the sheets, uh, which has been sampled a million times. Um, and thank God, D Nice let that song play through the bridge or the breakdown. Oh, anytime I play between the sheets, and I'm in the car, 
and it's late at night, and he and Ron Isley gets to that part where he's like, I don't want to sing anymore. Let's make love. I couldn't turn the volume up any faster and roll those windows, roll the windows down, and roll and roll the sunroof, roll the sunroof back. Oh my god, I lose my fucking mind every single time, and I've been playing that song more than half my life. Um, At your best, you are love, which is their original composition that Aaliyah covered. I'm glad they played that. Um, A lot of people thought that was an Aaliyah original. Um, I'm glad that they played Work to Do. A lot of people thought that was a Vanessa Williams original song, which it wasn't. Um, I'm glad that it it happened. Like, overall, just to remind people, like, how deep they are, how deep both of those acts are. Um, I'm glad that they, uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire played Boogie Wonderland. Um, they played September. They played Fantasy, what, drive, what drives me crazy. Um, that, those opening keys, my goodness, um... They could have they could have played well into the morning, and they almost damn near did. Um, it was so great to see, you know, to be reminded of just how great you know music is, and how we're all intertwined in it, and how it affects us, and to see you know musical history. Um. I mean, there were some points during the battle where I could tell that, like, Verdi and his uh, relaxer were done. Um, Philip Bailey was in his phone most of the time, just elsewhere while the Isleys just performed. But it was great that the energy was overall positive and supportive. And at first, it started off slow because. They weren't singing. Like, they were seated. Maybe they were too wrapped up in conversation and spent. I mean, these these guys are like 60, 70, 80, almost 90 years old. Like, they're probably winded just sitting there. And they want to talk. You know, see if Harvey wants to talk the entire first half. Kind of get it. Um... I think at some point the feedback got back to them and they heard us and they they got up towards the the bathroom break and started singing. And like, not only singing, but like coming out to the front and standing shoulder to shoulder or Ron would come out further in front of Ernie while Ernie stood there with his guitar and his foot on the pedals and performing. And his iconic, uh, with the iconic flower at the end of his guitar, which he's been known for since the beginning of time. Um, or Earth, Wind, and Fire would stand shoulder to shoulder and actually belt as best they can. Uh, Phil Bailey still has his voice. Um, he may not be able to hit the very high notes of reasons or the very high notes of, um, 
head to the sky. Because there's a point towards the end where the music stops and he goes even higher. I get it. You were in your 20s when you record most of this music. But it was great to to hear them um, either sing with the track or sing on top of the track um, and do it as a group. Um, I've never known Verdine or... Uh, Daryl Johnson sing. I always knew Maurice and Philip to sing um, on all the tracks, which was such a great mesh, um, a great difference. Um, and to hear Ron and Ron Isley and Philip Bailey sing together towards the end. I could have just melted. And I believe at some point during the versus battle, Ron Isley had mentioned that there was some music in the works with either Earth, Wind & Fire as a group or Philip Bailey. And they dropped, um, the Isleys dropped a song last night, which I get. It's like the versus battle. You got a new song out. But it's great. It was great to see see them take us through down memory memory lane. I was at my mom's house. <laughs> I was at my mom's house yesterday. It was Easter. Um, I got there around six six thirty, and then you know, of course, I had the IG live blaring from the phone while she was cleaning or whatever, and. Although my mom is saved, she always, she still has time for Earth, Wind & Fire and the Isley Brothers. Anytime one of their songs was played through Instagram, she would stop in the tracks and sway back and forth and have flashbacks. I'm like, All right, there she go. There she go. Uh, but it was great to see. Like, she would say, you know, this is taking me back. This is taking me back. This is taking me back. So when I was younger, and good for good or worse, I love it. Um, and it was great, like listening to that, listening and watching the verses battle last night. Takes me back to the moments when I was younger, at Magic ninety five point nine here in Baltimore. Would play nothing but old time, you know classic soul R&B music around the clock, well into the late evening. And then around that same time, um, BET, when it was known for actual music television, would play music videos or play the infomercials for those um, 100 CD sets for like $29 of like all these different classic R&B, classic soul songs on these CDs. Um, and they would just run the credits of the songs and artists that are on these CDs and on these vinyl records from like the 50s and 60s and 70s. Um, so that's where it took me. And even back to when I was a child of the 80s and... Um, 
the Isley Brothers and Earth, Wind, and Fire would drop an album and the singles would come out and the songs would be playing throughout the apartment or throughout the house. And we'd be jamming. Um, so it was great to see. I know that me being a product of Twitter and Instagram and social media, we've been hinting, giving, throwing out ideas under the hashtag versus of other battles we would love to see. Um, I've mentioned several times the past couple of months, um, Diana Ross versus Dionne Warwick, uh, Shaka Khan versus Stephanie Mills, um, Sade versus Anita Baker. Um, they may redo the Babyface and Teddy Riley one, I'm not sure. Um... But it'll be, it'll be, those are the three I would love to see. Um, and then there's a personal uh, one I would love to see, Mary J. Blige versus Faith Evans. Um, unfortunately, though, when Shaka Khan was asked, I think last year, who would she like to do one with? She wanted to do one with a younger artist, like a Jasmine Sullivan. I'm just like, Shaka Khan, love you to death. I even almost bumped into you one night at the Gaylord a couple of years ago. I, like, I just don't get why these artists of a certain, of a particular age are, like, at their knees of these younger artists. Like, Jasmine Sullivan only has, what, four albums? Um, nothing against her, but, like, when you think of a versus battle, you think of contemporaries, right? I know I do. You think of contemporaries. You think of another artist that, A, whose career was parallel to yours, like, you guys both recorded, produced, released music around the same times, even if it's not the same times, within at least five or six years of each other. And then on top of that, the catalog is crazy. Um, now, granted, um... Now, granted, Stephanie, granted, Shaka Khan predates Stephanie Mills as far as material and things of that nature. Um, Shaka Khan probably has, give or take, about five or six years um, on Stephanie Mills. But they both have, like, a long catalog. Um, Shaka Khan could could dust Stephanie Mills if Shaka Khan was to include her Rufus material. Even if she, and I was saying this to somebody on Twitter last night, even if Shaka Khan was to just start at the moment that Shaka Khan and Rufus were a two-name act, which I believe became... 
possible around album one, two, I think four. Around album four is when it was shot Connor Rufus, I believe. Um, it would still be unfair. Like, a lot of people, I mean, it's all up to, you know, it's all subjective. Um, because, you know, Stephanie Mills, although Shaka Khan has more, I guess, is more international or sort I'm looking for, uh, has like more singles and more hits that stick. Um, Stephanie Mills has not only those, but, like, deep cuts that, like, people, like, you put on a song that she probably hasn't released, people will sing to it, and people would know it, um, and they're around the same age, um, you ever take Shad Khan has about four or five years on Stephanie Mills, but when you think of similarities and parallels and, um, the pop songs and the covers they've done, and I want to say, you know, similar styles as far as Little Woman, Big Voice, like, that would be great. Um, it gets kind of hard, though, when you get to, when you think of older artists and who could do it, because a lot of these people have died, like, um, you know, Aretha Franklin passed away. You know, the Pale Bell and Gladys Knight versus was really good. Um, although I don't think Patty focused her side of the battle on, um, it wasn't heavy handed on LaBelle stuff. But, like, it would be great to see Adana Ross versus Dion Warwick. Um, you, you know, it's not, they're not similar to the T. Um, but when you think of longevity, when you think of genres, um, when you think of the style of music, um, pop music, standards, um, showbiz, showbiz music, um, show tunes, um, just performance style, and the fact that there really isn't anybody else in their class in that range um, that's still alive, like, um, and then when you think of, like, a Sade versus Anita Baker, um, when you, when I first said the name, you know, I was like, maybe not so much, but when you think about it, Quiet Storm, um, I think they released the same number of albums and they came, they hit big around the same time. Um, but you got one that's a recluse and you got another person that's kind of difficult from what I've heard. Um, I mean, poor thing. Love them both to death, but Anita Bay can't make up her mind whether or not she wants to retire or keep going out on tour or release a song and then an album's supposed to come out 
by summer or spring of that year, nothing happens. She's on one label, not on that label anymore. And it's like, I get it, but it's like, I don't know. I think you would need somebody, some more people on deck to try to get those two together. Um, I don't even think Sade resides stateside. So I don't know how you're going to get the the Wi-Fi to, to set up with that. But, um, you know, when I think of the history of the versus battles or the history of music, like, I'm pretty sure the world would stop if word came out that it's official that Sade and Anita Baker are doing a versus battle. Like, they're not at the forefront of everybody's mind, but the music between the two of them, like, nobody else can touch them. Whether they've been doing music 50 plus years or been doing it 20 or 30 years, that's just like another level of class, another level of sophistication, and like a regal thing that, that's there that you just... You just have to put, you just have to make time for that. Like, I feel like if that's announced, people would, like, be picking out outfits, setting candles and stuff like that. Um, that's just a special class of artistry. Um, and they have similar styles. They have, like, the jazz kind of thing going. Um, and what's great about them is that they're a level of artistry or a level of musicmanship that doesn't hinge on, you know, release music every two years, release album every two years to keep relevant, to keep your name out there. <coughs> um, Shawnee's average, the band, by the way. When you mention, when you say the name Sade, you're mentioning the band. Um, even though Shawty is part of her name, it's a banjo. They've only released, let's see, um, Diamond Life, Promise, um, Stronger Than Pride, Love Deluxe, Love Is Rock, um, The Best Of Sade, um, In that one album in 2010. So what? Give or take six albums. In a career that is coming up on 40 years. If you have Anita Baker. Who has probably put out the same number of albums. In a career that spanned. Almost, a little over. Almost 50 years. Well it's 40. A little over 40 years. Um. And people, like, you put, they they get going in the battle or get going in and playing their music. They can start off with something that wasn't released and more than 90% of people in attendance will know the lyrics. Um, and I could easily do a 25 spread 25 song spreadsheet on each side for the both of them 
sometimes it's hard though. Like um I know there was mention of a Foxy Brown versus Lil Kim. Um there was some news by her brother by Foxy Brown's brother that the paperwork was signed, but that was a couple of months ago. Um maybe they're keeping that under wraps as like a season finale or whatever and then come back later. Um that was a little harder for me to do a spreadsheet, more so on Foxy Brown's side, but meaning I had to dig a little deeper for her. Um, you know, God bless Trina's heart for thinking, for even suggesting she wanted to do one with Lil' Kim, but it's just not, I'm just not seeing it. Um, I mean, if we if we keep it about no fee, no other female rapper um, can touch Lil' Kim, Lil' Kim, except Missy, who to me, um, Missy's in a category with Lauren Hill where it's like, um, she's not a rapper, she's not a singer, she's an artist. Um, you can't really classify any of her albums or Lauren Hill's albums as a rap album or strictly a rap album or strictly an R&B album. They do both across all their albums. Um, I mean, but that would be an unfair fight because Missy also writes and produces for other people. Oh, that would be so heavy-handed. Um, but it would be fun nonetheless. But I would like a Missy versus Buster Rhymes. But the Foxy versus Lil' Kim, I mean, there is nobody else. Granted, Foxy Brown kind of fizzled out sometime in the 2000s. Poor thing, lost a hearing, tried to bounce, come back, and just didn't work out. Um, but Foxy Brown has a lot of stuff as far as, like, features and soundtrack appearances and remixes um, that she could throw in. Um, Lil' Kim... I mean, she she could, I could name 15, I can easily name 20, 25 songs. Um, not just her stuff, but features, and then there's Junior Mafia, her bad boy stuff, her soundtrack appearances, her uh, pop song features. Um, and that was, that was easier for me. Um, I love both of them. That would be definitely that would definitely be something for the history books. Um, but yeah, like so far, the versus battle has been great. Um, I've been enjoying most of them. Um, they they started out doing like producer versus battles. There was like a RZA versus DJ Premier. Um, there was the Babyface versus Teddy Riley. Um, both of those were good. Um, granted, Teddy Riley's situation was fucked up on his end. And he had too many people in the room for me to even be like, this is nice, because, you know, COVID. Um, and this was like the front end of the pandemic. This was early on. Um, but it's, I got more joy out of the producer versus because you could easily sit there for three or four hours 
and just sing lyric for lyric, but also be surprised. I would be like, oh shit, I didn't know he produced that for such and such. Um, the versus battles, when it's like between the groups, can be a bit messy. I tried to hang in there when 112 went against Jagged Edge. I don't know if it was the lighting or the quality, but it was just too much, and then the sound was crap, and I was let down. I was like, damn, I really wanted, I really was, really wanted to get into that. Um, I wouldn't, oh, here's another versus battle that would be great. Uh, Brian McKnight versus Maxwell. You don't see too many uh, male singers doing the thing. Um, I, f- I can't remember whether or not they did a music versus Anthony Hamilton. Maybe that was just something we were talking about on Twitter, but that would be a good one. Um, I'm a huge music soul child fan. I've seen him perform three times. The man never misses a beat. Sounds amazing live. Um, he usually stays within the lines as far as, um, the songs, like, you know, when you think of, like, Erica Badu or Jill Scott, they kind of stretch out their songs and the band kind of improvises and stuff like that and does different arrangements. Um, Music Soul Child, and it's such, it's such a Virgo thing, I think, he, they usually just stick within the lines. Um, I mean, of, co- of the three times I've seen him, he had, he's known not to really, like, deviate too far. Um, But I also know that he tends to do a lot of um, double bill or multiple bills on one ticket. Um, So I think he's, I think it's more so he's considerate of time restraints. Um, But the man is bad. Like the things he does with his voice um, that you don't, you won't catch on an album. He, he kind of says that for the live music. Um, Anthony Hamilton's cool. Um, there's probably like a handful of his songs that I like a lot. Um, that first album, Off the Hook, Anthony Hamilton can pull some cheat codes as well because he's done features prior to getting on real big and uh, he's written for other people. Um, and he's done stuff with D'Angelo. Um I was a little confused about the D'Angelo and Friends versus. Um, a lot of us was hoping that Raphael Sadiq would show up. But the only people that showed up were Method Man and Red Man. And D'Angelo was cool. But what I've come to understand is that that, is that, that boy don't like to work. Um, but it was cute. So nevertheless, like, if you have IG or Triller or YouTube or... A Twitter, um, be sure to follow Versus, V-E-R-Z-U-Z, um, on Instagram specifically, because the battles go directly from there, um, and they have, they have a schedule, like they, they have upcoming ones, and the dates, um, they haven't released the full, um, names yet on those dates, but... Um, there's one coming up of SWV versus Escape, which 
I'm excited for. I believe that's May the 4th. Um, only because, um, I mean, it doesn't get any better than SWV. And it's great to see Escape get, um, get some more shine. You know, when you think back to, like, early 90s girl groups, you know, people tend to have SWV, En Vogue, and TLC in the same conversation based on sales and impact and, like, international, like, impact. Um, people tend to f- forget about Escape. Who um, was kind of, like, between those three groups. And like Jade and Brownstone and um, Cut Close and Changing Faces. Um, unfortunately, Escape didn't last that long. SWV didn't either at first, but they eventually came back years ago and they, they kept it pushing. Um, but the the great thing about Escape that a lot of people overlook is that they have four lead singers in their group. Unfortunately, that tends to spill over in live performances. They try to outdo each other instead of just harmonizing and vocalizing. Whereas SWV, everybody knows that Coco is the de facto leader of the group. Um, Todd's may do a bridge here and there. And Lily is more so, even though she founded the group, is more a back backing to Coco, which I didn't know until I was in my thirties that Lily's singing voice is similar to Coco's voice. Like I didn't know that until I was watching their either their first or second reality show where they were in the, they were in the studio doing the album for Still. I think it was the second comeback album. And I heard her sing. I was like, oh shit, she sounds similar to Coco. Um, but nevertheless, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I've been following Coco on TikTok, and she responds to the comments, which gives me joy. Um, the great thing is, is that she preserves her voice. She still sounds good. Her voice still gives me chills. Um... And I and again, like even though during their initial run they only released three albums apiece, I could easily do like fifteen songs um, on each group, uh, maybe twenty more so on SWV side. Um, you know, Candy and Tiny might throw in a couple of cheat codes since they song wrote and produced songs for other people. Um, Coco might throw in some of her gospel stuff. Um, she may even throw in her, um, her feature on Men in Black, which, damn, I wish she was in that video. And she, um, and she had been asked about that, like, why weren't you in the video for Men in Black? Because that would have been crazy for her solo career. And she was like, um, she doesn't know. But I think it was licensing with the labels and stuff. Because they, because Will was on Columbia at the time. And Coco was on, I think, MCA or Jive at the time. But you just never know. Oh, well. Um, Nevertheless, be sure, like, if you love music and you just want to see 
what's coming on or what's coming down the pipeline. Be sure to look for Versus, V-E-R-Z-U-Z, um, Timberland and Swiss Beats. Um, have conversations day in and day out discussing it. They're interviewed a lot about Versus. Um, and it's a good time. So this is the Irish Fuse Podcast. This is Mr. Fox. Uh, you can contact us at irishfusepodcast at gmail.com. Um, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we have a WordPress blog, um, we do this through Anchor, so you never skip a beat, um, a lot of the episodes, well, all the episodes that I've produced to date are, uh, disseminated across eight platforms to WordPress, I never stop talking about it on Twitter and never stop talking about it on Instagram. Uh, we are on every, uh, on Instagram, I underscore refuse underscore podcast. Um, we're going to be, we're coming up on our season finale pretty soon. Um, I'm probably going to take about a, a month or so off just to kind of recharge and relax and probably come back early summer, maybe We'll see. A lot of personal stuff going on. Um, Still working on getting the studio together and possibly going to YouTube with video and starting a a Patreon um, because a bitch got bills. Um, Nevertheless, this is Mr. Fox of the I Refuse Podcast. Be sure to follow, subscribe, and keep listening and give us the feedback and show us love. And tell us how we're doing. You know, this ain't McDonald's or Burger King, but we love what we do. So, peace out.